0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Low values of high-sensitivity cardiac troponin and coronary artery calcium scores of zero are associated with a low risk for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, or ASCVD. To better understand the relationship between these measurements and future ASCVD risk, a group of researchers evaluated baseline high-sensitivity cardiac troponin and CAC measurements taken from 6,749 participants in the MESA study. Participants were aged 45 to 84 years and did not have clinical cardiovascular disease in relationship to incident ASCVD. Here with us today to discuss his team's research and their findings is Dr. Michael Blaha, who is a professor of medicine and epidemiology and director of clinical research at the Johns Hopkins Ciccarone Center for the Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Blaha. Let's dive in. To start, can you tell us more about how the study was conducted and why it is important?
1: Sure. Well, in the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease, we're always looking to conduct risk stratification to figure out who's low risk and who's high risk, because those patients that are low risk may not benefit from our aggressive medical therapies, mm-hmm. while patients that are high risk might get more benefit from our therapies. So this is a study of risk stratification in middle-aged to older adults, mean age of about 60. And this is from the multi-ethnic study of atherosclerosis, where there's baseline measures of cardiac troponin, of course, serum marker, and coronary artery calcium, which is derived from a cardiac gated CT scan. And really the thinking here was to figure out how each marker performed, the troponin, and the calcium score for risk prediction and how they performed together, with a distinct emphasis on low values of each marker, undetectable troponin values, and calcium scores of zero, and to what degree those can discriminate patients that are actually low-risk patients. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Your analysis found that detectable CAC and detectable high-sensitivity cardiac troponin was associated with higher rates of ASCVD compared to undetectable levels. Did any of these findings surprise you?
1: I don't think it'll surprise anyone that higher levels of troponin and higher levels of calcium scores predict risk. In fact, these tests are quite familiar to most clinicians and routinely used to identify higher risk patients. However, what's not as well known or perhaps not as often used by clinicians is these risk markers as so-called negative risk factors, as markers that drive down patient's risk compared to what you would have been expecting before the test was done. On the converse, while the troponin and the calcium score both predicted risk well, what was also notable is that undetectable levels of troponin or calcium scores of zero also predicted extremely low risk states. Calcium score and undetectable troponins were associated with event rates that were lower than the usual threshold considered for let's say statin benefit or aspirin benefit in primary prevention. So the study would suggest that the event rates in patients with undetectable troponin or calcium scores of zero are below which we'd expect there to be a net benefit of preventative pharmacotherapy. But what's notable also is that when you do a two by two crosstab of these markers, patients who had both undetectable troponin and a calcium score of zero had the lowest event rates on the order of two or three percent over 10 years, which is very low. So it shows that these markers are both good independent negative risk factors and when combined can identify very low risk patients. Mm
0: -hmm, Absolutely. And how might your findings impact clinical practice and how ASCVD can be prevented in the future?
1: Well, we're all looking ways to make preventive practice more precision-based. There's strategies that you can apply at the whole population level, but many times we're looking for therapies that are targeted at high-risk individuals so we can spare low-risk individuals the same level of aggressive therapy. Now in the guidelines, the ACCHA prevention guidelines, the calcium score is already in there as a 2A recommendation for patients with borderline intermediate risk. And specific notes that when the calcium score is zero, for example, that you can defer, postpone, or withdraw therapy in select patients. So what's new here is that the troponin could also be used in a similar way. This is the high sensitivity modern troponin assay. And if the high sensitivity troponin assay is undetectable, maybe also you can consider being less aggressive with therapy. And if you use these two markers together, we can come up with a more precision pattern here, where if you're negative on both markers, you're a relatively low risk patient. But also if you're high on both markers, you're a very, very high risk patient. And if you're discordant, you're somewhere in between. So we can pinpoint with these two markers, patients that are very high risk and patients that are very low risk, that are clearly above or clearly below what we think are preventative therapy thresholds for benefit. So what's new here is that we might be pointing to a future of using these two markers together in future guidelines.
0: And what is the overall key take home message from your study?
1: The key take home is that we're getting better with risk prediction over time and really the combination of the best serum biomarker of vulnerability, troponin, and the best marker of atherosclerosis burden, the calcium score, together can do wonders for risk prediction on top of the pooled cohort equations. So I think we're pointing towards more of a future where we're going to be more precise with our therapies, not just statins and aspirin, but other More aggressive, expensive preventive therapies can be targeted at the right patients who maybe have abnormal values of troponin and high calcium scores in primary prevention. we are going to be more conservative and lifestyle based in patients who are very low risk rather than a treat all approach where we treat everyone, for example, with the statin or an aspirin, we can be focused. So that's the take home. We should be in our practice right now, thinking about using the calcium score as per guidelines and potentially high sensitivity troponin when treatment decisions are unclear and primary prevention to really eke out the risk and make more educated decisions with our patients about who's most likely to benefit from our therapies and particularly who's most likely to benefit from our more expensive add-on therapies. For example, non-statin add-on therapies like azetamime, ethyl or PCSK9 inhibitors or or other therapies that may be coming down the road. I think that's intriguing. I think also uh, what we're going to see in the future is more emphasis on risk prediction in older adults, where in the past we might not have done risk prediction. I think that troponins and calcium scores might be particularly valuable in patients even over the age of 60 or 70. Which of those patients are actually lower risk patients despite their age?
0: Absolutely. Because CAC is more common in older adults, correct?
1: Yeah, both troponins and the calcium score go up with age, Mm -hmm. and they're more likely to be abnormal the older you are. Therefore, as one ages, if they were able to maintain favorable measures of both of these markers, uh, no or low atherosclerosis burden and undetectable troponin, it really shows that even at an older age, we're able to find patients who are truly low cardiovascular risk. So I think the future will hold more precise thinking about risk and therapy, even in very old adults, where the guidelines are relatively mute uh, on risk assessment after the age of, let's say, 75 or 79. So that's coming down the road uh, with, I think, you're going to see more data on calcium scores and troponin from future studies in the next couple of years.
0: Absolutely. And you also spoke before about aspirin and preventing ASCVD with aspirin. I think it was the AHA guidelines from last year that downgraded low-dose aspirin for preventing cardiovascular disease. What are your thoughts on the guideline in relation to your study?
1: You're right that the new ACC AHA guidelines did downgrade aspirin from a 2A recommendation to a 2B recommendation and 50 to 70 year olds who are at higher risk of cardiovascular disease with low bleeding risk. So it doesn't say don't use aspirin, but it says use aspirin selectively after careful risk assessment and assessment of bleeding risk. As some readers and some listeners may know, we've published data that suggests that only those patients with calcium scores above hundred get a net benefit from preventive aspirin therapy. If your calcium score is zero, for example, you're more likely harmed from aspirin than helped. And that's in a paper that's in circulation from a few months ago. Now, combining these markers, the the calcium score and the troponin, if you had a calcium score of 100 and a detectable troponin, I think it's even more likely that you were to to benefit from an aspirin. And if you had negative uh, values or undetectable values of troponin and a calcium score of zero, you're even more likely to be harmed rather than helped with an aspirin. So we can see how we can use these markers for a therapy like aspirin that has some benefit and has some risk to tailor who should get it in our practice.
0: Mm-hmm. So then what about people younger than 50 years?
1: If you're less than 50, uh, we're going to really selectively use aspirin. However, the calcium score can be particularly helpful here uh, in identifying just those few patients below the age of 50 who do have high calcium scores. For example, scores above 100 or our data would suggest even scores that are less than that in the young patients might identify patients that have benefit from aspirin. Now, I don't think that high sensitive troponin is as good of a test in the younger patients uh, as it is in middle-aged or older patients, but the calcium score can be particularly helpful uh, in, in patients with high pretest test uh, probability of atherosclerosis at the young age. There's good data in the 30 to 50 year old age group for selective use of calcium scoring and direction of statin and aspirin. So I think really, if you're thinking about the life course, earlier in life, I think a calcium score makes sense if you need further risk stratification. In middle age, a uh, high-sensory troponin also has some value. And as one ages a risk assessment is still desired, a combination of a calcium score and a troponin is particularly helpful.
0: Great. And so what research are you working on now?
1: Yeah, I think the next step after this study, which shows that the troponin and the calcium score predict risk well, is to actually show if they can identify patients who will get benefit from preventative therapy. So what we're looking to do is add calcium score testing and high sensitivity troponin testing to future clinical trials of aspirin and statin in older adults, some of which are about to start enrolling. If we have those measures of troponin and calcium score at baseline, then at the end of the trial, we can look back and say who benefited from aspirin and who benefited from statin at an older age. And could we have predicted that or sharpened that by use of these biomarkers? So if these measures are measured in a, in a blinded way at the beginning of a study, it'll provide immense insight at the end of the study about who actually benefited. So that's what we're working on next, translating this directly to the bedside, is figuring out how these tests can be used to derive who gets the most benefit from these preventive therapies in a randomized clinical trial.
0: Great. We'll definitely keep an eye out for that research as well. Thank you so much for joining me today and answering all my questions.
1: It's my pleasure to join your podcast and talk about our new study.